This podcast is sponsored by BetterHelp, H-E-L-P, help, better help. Now, is there something that's interfering with your happiness or preventing you from achieving your goals? You know, everybody who listens to Stop Self-Sabotage has something that they want for themselves that they are not getting because they feel that they're frustrated or they wouldn't be listening. They want more. And personally, when I first became a therapist, I went into therapy because I was so hurt in an emotional relationship. And I wanted to repair that. And BetterHelp is a place that you can do just that for yourself. BetterHelp will assess your needs and match you with your own licensed professional therapist. You start communicating in under 48 hours. It's not a crisis line. It's not self-help. It's a professional therapy done securely online. There's a broad range of expertise available, which may not be locally available in many areas. The service is available for clients worldwide. You can log into your account anytime and send a message to your therapist. You'll get timely and thoughtful responses. Plus, you can schedule weekly video or phone sessions. So you won't ever have to sit in an uncomfortable waiting room as with traditional therapy. BetterHelp is committed to facilitating great therapeutic matches so they make it easy and free to change therapists as needed. It's more affordable than traditional offline therapy and financial aid is available. BetterHelp wants you to start living a happier life today. Visit their website and read their testimonials that are posted daily. One of them is Anthony wrote, Karen is great. She's attentive, gives great advice, and really makes you think about your issues so you can resolve them in a fashion where you are comfortable. Visit betterhelp.com slash S-S-S, that's better H-E-L-P, and join the over 1 million people who have taken charge of their mental health with the help of an experienced professional. In fact, so many people have been using BetterHelp, they are now recruiting additional therapists in all 50 states. We have a special offer for you. For Stop Self-Sabotage listeners, you get 10% off your first month at BetterHelp.com dot com slash SSS. As a therapist myself, I can't recommend them more sincerely. Go online, talk to them. They will be very attentive to your needs and they will get you the help you want. I have the pleasure today of speaking with Linda Tupin. Linda was raised on a dairy farm in southeastern Kentucky, where she developed a strong work ethic and sense of personal responsibility. She created strong mental health habits and a solid sense of purpose. And then she went on from milking cows to waiting tables as she worked her way through college, where she earned her undergraduate and graduate degrees in home economics and secondary education. She taught in the public school system for 10 years. During that time, Linda started her own in-home business and over the next 38 years built a multi-million dollar sales organization, both nationally and internationally. Linda has trained tens of thousands of businesswomen around the globe in life and business skills. And she is a mother of two and a grandmother of two. And she's here today to talk to us about choices. 
an important business aspect. Hello, Linda. How are you? Pat, what an honor. I feel like I've won the lottery today to be (laughs) on Pat Pearson's podcast. Holy cow. I'm wonderful, Pat. Thank you. Yes. Well, if you do win the lottery today, remember you have to share it because you were on my podcast. (laughs) I'll I'll keep that in mind when I buy my ticket at the gas station. (laughs) There you go. There you go. Now, I know your story, but I want everyone to hear it. Please tell us your story, your background. Well, I I love to share with people around the world uh, a bit about my upbringing because I'm sitting right now in in a town called Lexington, Kentucky. And if you're not familiar with our great state, it's kind of in the middle. Uh, It's one of those flyover states they refer. And about an hour and a half south of here is a part of the state that many people are familiar with. It's an Appalachian area, southeastern Kentucky. And um I was raised there on a dairy farm and we milked Holstein cattle. And for those of you who are listening that are bovine challenged, those are the black and white cows that are out there in the field. And um, I had three younger brothers and it's a kind of a redneck upbringing. Um, We uh, had a wonderful, awesome family, um, incredible uh, work ethic. And as we worked every single day on that dairy farm, Um, There were things happening, Pat, that I did not understand that were going to shape my future forever and actually help me create a great deal of success. And those are things that your audience can learn from today. Because when you milk cows for a living, Pat, uh, I don't know if my audience that's listening knows anything about dairy farming or milking cows, but most people have, you know, known women who have nursed children, and they know that timely milkings are very important for milk production. And so growing up on a dairy farm, basically what ends up happening is that people have to work and milk the cows at exactly the same time every single day. And so what happened for 18 years, no matter what happened to us on the farm, we had to get up at 6 a.m., milk the cows and um, at 6 p.m. So if we were sick, we got well at 6 a.m. and 6 p.m. I mean, literally, we got well wow. because we had to do it. You know, Pat, when you you don't just call up anybody off the street and say, hey, I'm, I want to have you come over and work for me because I'm sick today. It just doesn't work that way. And um, even when people died, Pat, I mean, we buried them in the middle of the day. I mean, we would get up that morning. We would put on our work clothes. We would go to the barn. We would milk the cows. And then we would come home and we would shower and get dressed in our church clothes. And we would go bury our relative or whoever had died. We would come home. We we would change back into our work clothes and we would go back to work again that evening. And did we grieve? Why, of course we grieved, but we grieved while we worked. And what was happening there is I was learning how to uh, work through a crisis. I mean, honestly, Pat, I, I was in college. I was in college before I actually ever saw another human who actually said, oh, I couldn't possibly go to class today or I couldn't go to work today because of X, Y, Z. X, Y, Z being uh, I don't feel good or my boyfriend just broke up with me or my parents got divorced or something bad is happening in my life. I'd never seen that role model. Right. Because yeah. we he- worked through everything. Yes. And you call that the milking the cow mentality. I love that. And, Mm -hmm. and, and what of course you mean is that you were committed and to a goal and you had to show up. Um, And tell me about how you train with that mentality, how you've trained people. 
Well, I, I think it is, it's a, it's a mindset that is, is it would obviously I learned it. So I know that other people can learn it. And when people are raised in traditional homes and most people who are working for themselves or starting entrepreneurial businesses out here in the world, most people were raised in traditional families. And so the first question I ask people when they tell me that they're going to own their own company or work for themselves or whatever, I'll say, tell me what your parents did for a living. And because I have to help them understand that a traditional upbringing is very different than an entrepreneurial upbringing. An entrepreneurial upbringing is a very milk the cow mentality. Traditional upbringing, I'm not saying people raised traditionally don't work hard. That's not what I'm saying at all, is that everything in your life is framed around a clock. What time, you know, when you're working for other people, what time do we go to work? How many minutes break? How long is our lunch? How uh, what time do we get off? How many days vacation? How much overtime? So your entire world is focused around a watch or a clock. But what happens on an entre- in an entrepreneurial lifestyle, everything is framed around a job that has to be done. So, <clears throat> Pat, in all the years of on that farm, basically what would happen is not one time did I... Do I ever remember my mom saying, hey, we've been in this garden, you know, eight hours. We ha- we have to go in. It was like, no, we have to finish to work in the garden. Or my dad saying, uh, you know, hey, we've been in this hay field for 10 hours. We have to go in. It's like, no, we have to get the job done. And so when I'm training or working with men and women who are wanting to start their own business, the first thing we have to identify is how they were raised because traditional, I mean, I would say it's about 85 or 90% of the population had one or two parents who work for other people. So when you come into your own entrepreneurial business from a traditional background, it's like taking something round and shoving it into something square. It creates a friction, a resistance. And a lot of people never identify that as the root cause of the discord. And so what happens then, Pat, when you're working with people who are wanting to start their own business is they are faced with the obstacle of people not understanding their business, their business, their entrepreneurial business doesn't feel safe to them uh, because their upbringing was all about a clock and a watch. And so what ends up having to happen is to make this transition easier and to earn the respect of traditionally raised people so that you don't get the rolled eye. You don't get the scoffing. You don't get the, oh my gosh, why don't you go get yourself a real job? Or, you know, when are you going to get rid of this notion? And, And just the lack of respect that some people show for an entrepreneurial business is the entrepreneur, if that's you, has to make their entrepreneurial business look like a traditional business. So what does that mean? (laughs) That means they have to have a time schedule. And because that's what traditional people do, they have a time schedule. And so entrepreneurial people, even though they left the cubicle, nobody wants to work in a cubicle nor have a boss or tell people what to do, but they have to become a good boss for themselves. And that means I've got to show my family that I have a schedule. And so that needs to go on the refrigerator. And then we have to know what our dollar per hour is that we made last week. Um, And so when you begin to treat your entrepreneurial business like a traditional business, then you will begin to earn the respect of all the traditional people in your life. And they will begin to accept the fact that what you're doing is as valuable and has a lot more benefits than going to work for somebody else. Yeah. Well, that was a wonderful 
uh, definition because there are lots of women, as we know, the great resignation, right? Four million women out there who are looking for new businesses. Most of them would love to work at home and be their own boss. But if they came out of a traditional business and now are making that uh, bridge to entrepreneurship, which you've just said is so important, and that is that they now become their own boss. They've got to set their their time schedules and live their time. And that cow has got to be milked. <laughs> you know, they can't just go and powder their nose and have a massage if they want one, you know, it's just not how it works. And so, like you said, the mindset of, of a dedicated um, worker like you are is, is just uh, absolutely just the most important thing to have, right? Uh- Absolutely. And anyone listening can become a good boss for themselves. And, you know, just by following so much of your advice that I'm sure um, that they've been hearing from you, which is just respecting yourself and respecting your space and setting healthy boundaries in your home. You know, I've had many uh, a spouse say to me, you know, I was so glad my wife was coming home to work at home, but he has trouble understanding why she can't work at home with a two-year-old. And my response was, (laughs) well, if that's if that's not a problem, I'm sure you won't mind taking the two-year-old to work with you tomorrow. And, um, you know, so there's, there's healthy boundaries that have to be oh, set. Oh, oh. I remember <laughs> what, what you're so good at. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And I remember one woman, uh, Linda was so funny. She had a little um, post-it note on her door that she would shut to keep her children out. It said, don't open it unless you're bleeding. That is correct. And it better be a lot of blood. (laughs) (laughs) Not a little boo-boo on your finger. Yeah, exactly. Because that is the horrible, that is the challenge, not horrible, but that is the challenge of marrying home and work. And that is keeping those boundaries and being flexible, not being rigid, but not constantly, you know, running to the dishwasher and, and running to do laundry while you're on the phone with an important client. I mean, it's just, none of us are that, I mean, yes, we are multitasking women, but you know, there is a professionalism that comes through when you are sitting at a desk doing what you're supposed to be doing, you know, and it's an energy as well as anything rather than doing dishes and saying, Oh, I'm so sorry. The dog just threw up in my shoes and, whatever. <laughs> exactly. And so, you know, it's a learned skill. Um, it's it's not just something you just come home and say, hey, I'm going to start a business at home. I'll put a little desk over there in the corner. It, it, it's not that simple, right? but it is a, a learned skill and there is a learning curve. And if you put yourself in the space of people who have done it successfully, and that's why I, I've been so excited during the great resignation and the two years of COVID where people were coming home is we were equipped to do it because this is what we do and we've always done. And um, and there's a lot of people out there to help you. Uh, you just have to look for them for sure. Sure. And you're one of them. Okay. So here we go. Miss Linda Tupin, tell me about the seven foot piece of art in your home. <laughs> I do. I do. I do. I do. I have in my living room, a seven foot piece of art uh, that says I am where I am by the choices I have made, or I have allowed others to make for me. So I'll repeat that. I am where I am by the choices I have made 
or I have allowed others to make for me. So it is a huge declaration of personal responsibility. I believe that everyone on here is responsible for where their life is going. And so if you woke up this morning and you weren't excited about your life, don't blame your husband or your wife. You married them. Uh, Don't blame your children. Children aren't born to fulfill you. I know that you don't know me very well, and that may have seemed a little harsh, but children aren't born to fulfill parents. What a burden. And then if you woke up this morning and you weren't excited about your life, don't blame your boss. You choose to go there. You chose the job and you choose to stay. And we live in a society right now where you could literally have 10 jobs. And so if you woke up this morning and you weren't excited about your life, then look in the mirror. It is a choice that you are making every single day. And we do make 35,000 choices a day. And they well, seem into 35,000 choices a day. We make 35,000 choices a day. People click play on your podcast. That was a choice. And they Yay choose to for that one. <laughs> <laughs> and they continue to choose. They continue to listen. That's another choice. And what happens is all of those choices accumulate over time. And even though they may seem insignificant. And so when you continue to choose to blame the world, that you're a victim of your circumstances, then that's just a big lie that you've told yourself. And so you might want to disassociate with other people who think that way. And then you might want to accept responsibility and begin to associate with people who adhere to the principle that they are where they are in their life by the choices they've made or allowed others to make for them. Yeah. And why is that so important to you, Linda? I mean, it's it's important enough to have a seven foot piece of art saying it. So you were searing that into your consciousness and everybody who ever comes into your living room, which uh, has got to be pretty big for a seven foot piece of art. So that's great in and of itself. But uh, why is that so important to you? What is What difference does that make to you? Well, I, th- I think there's a number of things. That's a really good question, Pat. And you know what? You're the only person who's ever asked me that question. Really? I, I mean, that's pretty amazing. Um, I think a couple of things. One is my upbringing. I, I I think I could have done real well in the great generation. You know, those the Martin Luther Kings, Billy Graham, Mother Teresa, all the great generation, all of my great grandparents and my grandparents who uh, just believed in hard work and personal responsibility and right. and selflessness. Right. And so a lot of that came from my upbringing, especially in southeastern Kentucky. Um, and so I think that was born into me, you know, Malcolm Gladwell in his book, um, mm-hmm. uh, Outliers, he talks about, I think it's in chapter six, he talks about uh, the honor culture in the Irish Scottish people that exist. And I mean, he's perfectly describing me and that's my upbringing. And then um, because I was taught that, I, you know, my entire life, I was taught that, you know, if you want to succeed in life, it's up to you. And it's absolutely up to every decision that you make. And so when you make bad decisions, you're going to pay a price. And if you make good decisions, you will reap the reward. And uh, and I think that's, that's the basis for it. And then because I started an entrepreneurial business, uh, I was a home ec teacher, but I started an entrepreneurial business while I was teaching back in the early 80s. Um, It just made sense to me because no one was going to come to my house and tell me to go to work for my own entrepreneurial business. And so everything just started fitting together. And so I, I just started making that my mantra way back in the early 
uh, early 1990s. And I actually made a recording for the company uh, that I worked with that used that. And we actually used it to bring people into the business because wow. it resonated. It resonated with people. Right. It literally brought hundreds of thousands of people into the company because people understand that at a very primitive level that, you know, I mean, Pat, sometimes I look out and think, would we make it if we would have been born in the 1700s? Because we have a lot of decisions made for us that take care of us and protect us. Right. But at a primitive level, it's really all about, can you take care of yourself? Exactly. Exactly. And, you know, it's, um, you bring up such a interesting point because that whole responsibility issue is one that, um, in in some ways seems to be watered down and and that to me is sad because if you're not responsible you know who is and if if you let somebody outside of you be responsible for you then you've given up your power you have to take that back to to make move forward to make the kind of informed choices that you make, that I try to make. I mean, you have to feel like in some level, you have a locus of power with inside yourself. Not, you can't depend on everybody out there to do it right for you. Just not, it isn't how it works, as you know. And that's why I love you so much, Pat, because <laughs> I mean, you know, uh, for the audience, I've known Pat since back during the 1990s. She helped hundreds, if not thousands of my people in my organization with the issues that she teaches you guys on these podcasts. And that's why I have so much respect for you because, you know, push comes to shove, it's going to come down to you. And the most miserable people I've ever met in my entire life are the people waiting around for other people to make decisions for them and for other people to make them happy. That oh. is a miserable journey of oh, life. It is. And I, I was having a great conversation with my Lyft driver of all people, and um, we were talking about responsibility and he and being a victim. And he was saying that he always saw himself as someone who could take care of himself, and that he'd always been helped by people. And he was he was not the same nationality, uh, ethnic um, group I am. And he said, you know, it doesn't matter. He said, it doesn't matter what your ethnicity, if you come from a position of believing that other people will be positive if you are positive and that you are responsible for your actions, you'll do fine. So I already had, I should have had him on here. We could have all had this conversation. <laughs> <laughs> My Lyft driver was a, was a moving philosopher today. I mean, it was fun. Good fun. Now, um, so we're in totally in agreement about personal responsibility the relevant choices of your life need to be yours. Now that doesn't mean, so let's clarify here for a minute. That doesn't mean you don't get information from other people to help you make those choices, but that once you make them, you own them. No one else, you can't blame Susie or, or hubby or my mother or the kids for your lack of achievement or your lack of getting what you want. And, you know, people get squirrely about that. They really do. They get squirrely around the issue of when they don't get what they want, who is responsible. Very few people have said to me, I did it. I messed up. How many people have said that to you, Linda? 
Well, I, th- I think that you're right. Um, I think that that's um, honestly, it's emotional maturity. Um, uh, I, I just think emotionally mature people accept, accept their decisions and accept what's happening. But going back to your original point of just because you're responsible for your own decisions and you should be making your own decisions. Absolutely. You, the world is at your fingertips. Okay. You have a device in your hand right now about listening to this podcast that you can find out anything in the world and you can learn anything in the world. Can you imagine being born a hundred years ago and telling somebody, Hey, everything we need to know in the world is in this little device, right? Are we using that little device to get the information we need? Okay. Or are we using it to argue with strangers? I mean, it's the most ridiculous thing that we do with all this wealth of information that's out there. And so, you know, be careful who you take advice from, you know, I, maybe it was you that taught me that you only take advice from people that you would trade places. I don't know who told me that, but I've used it my entire adult life. And so as you research people on the internet, before you go taking advice from them, find other people who have taken advice from them. And then, you know, be careful, limit, limit the voices in your head to people that it's like, man, that person's a great parent. I'm going to role model that. That person's a great money right. manager. Yeah. I'm going to role model that. Yes. Uh, yes. 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 You know? So. Yeah. And, and, you know, have a, have a, a, a system of siphoning through, you know, the, the garbage and there's a lot of garbage out there. There really is. And, and, so- and unfortunately, sometimes the garbage is the one with the, 10 million likes. And it's because it, <laughs> you know, it's emotionally driven instead of intellectually driven. And, uh, you know, that's discernment, wisdom and knowing the difference between the two, but right. you know, right. people listen to people, people like you who've spent their life coaching people on how to help themselves and, and to think, I mean, clearly, I mean, I mean, you're a wealth of knowledge for people, Pat. And and I, I have followed so much of your advice over the years. I mean, I told you when I had you on my podcast, I mean, the books were <laughs> here, the CDs in the drawer, uh, I wore them out. Uh, yeah. You know, and it's not just listening to something once. You have to listen to it over and over. It's the crease in the piece of paper of how thoughts are actually formed. Yeah. And, you know, it's like, it's like maybe some things that we're talking about right now to the audience. This is the first time you've ever heard this or you first time you've ever heard someone speak like this. Then listen over and over and over again. It's going to take a lot to create that crease. That's right. Well said. Yeah, it needs to saturate. You know, I was um, I, I was laughing the other day because um, I, I just started on a losing weight program and um, I was I have a coach. And so <laughs> I was talking to my coach and I said, well. I got to tell you that I'm going to, I'm going to be responsible and tell you that the brownie outdid my willpower. <laughs> I chose the brownie and I know it showed up on the little scale here, but you know, what can I say? I'm taking responsibility for my choices. And she looked at me and I mean, she just sort of laughed. She said, nobody's ever said that in here before. <laughs> I, said, I said, well, I wanted that brownie more than I wanted to lose weight at that moment. So, okay. When you turned uh, 57, you created a new affirmation for yourself. And what is it? And will you share it with us? Absolutely. I had a number of major life changes that happened when I was 57. I'm 67 now. So that was 10 years ago. But um, uh, a 32 year uh, marriage uh, dissolved. And, uh, and, and it's all good. I mean, 
you know, 10 years later, we're all still friends. We parented well together. We parent well together today. But at the time, it it wasn't so well. And so I began to reevaluate my life. And so when you have a major life incident like that, that kind of rocks your foundation, uh, that's when you step back from your life. You take a breather and you look at your life from beginning to end. And so um, I'm a very logical person. I think I probably think more like a man than I do a woman. And so I started analyzing when my grandparents died, what they died from. And of course, you know, DNA is only really 10% of your health. People like to think it's a lot more, but it isn't. You can change that. But my grandparents all pretty much made it into their late 80s and even into their mid 90s. And when I was 57, I literally changed an affirmation and it changed everything, Pat. And that affirmation is the best 30 years of my life are ahead of me. I want to repeat that for the audience because I hope this takes a lift off of your shoulders and creates a new breath of air in your lungs and a new vision for you. The best 30 years of your life are ahead of you. And so what I did with that is I was sitting there and I was 57 and I thought, okay, if the best 30 years of my life are ahead of me, the chances are I'm going to make it to 87. And so I'm going to pretend that I'm 27. Okay, and I get to relive the last 30 years of my life over. What would I do different? What would I change? And it was like someone opened a window to my soul. Wow. And it was like, oh, my gosh, if I could relive the last 30 then that's what I can do with the next 30. So I'm not going to be part of this conversation that people like to feed themselves of, I'm so old, I'm getting so old, I'm so tired, I'm so broke, I'm so uh, whatever. You're affirming it, you're bringing it into the world, you're bringing it, you're making it happen with your words. And so if we changed it and said the best 20 years or the best 30 years or whatever the number is that you affirm, and so I I keep getting younger. (laughs) (laughs) I love that. I love that. That's great. Well, you look it, you look younger. Um, So in, in when you were doing that, Linda, did that influence health decisions and lifestyle decisions? And, and and so uh, I have a friend who, who says that every 10 years uh, or that when you're, when you're looking at your life, you should take 10 year increments and write out what you learn one to 10, 10 to 20, 20 to 30, 34. And, you know, and just write out what you remember about those years and what you learned, maybe what you'd like to have different uh, about the next 10. And then, and then future cast, because that's really what you're doing. You're, you're becoming right now, you're creating your future self and you're informing that person, you, of the choices and by the choices you make now, the person, how that person's going to be. Well, absolutely. It's, it's all about, we're creating everything with our mind and, you know, I'm a very faith-filled person and, you know, I'm, I'm like, you know, God has gifted you this amazing gift called imagination and creativity and logic. And so we just have to use them. Um, But anyway, did it change? It changed everything, Pat. I mean, because if you are, if you are affirming the best 30, well, that's going to change your eating habits. Okay, because I don't want to be 87 with um, 
type one diabetes, uh, fear of losing a limb. Uh, I don't want to be uh, unable to get up and down out of a floor. Uh, you know, I, I don't know. Sometimes I look at situations and say, I don't know what I want to be, but I'm, I can tell you what I don't want to be. And yeah. then you just work in the opposite direction. So right. what I don't want to be is I don't want to, I don't want to not be able to get down on the floor and get up. I don't want to be able to not run and walk and enjoy life. Um, I don't want to have to go to the bathroom and take a bunch of pills every single day. And so it changes everything. And, and, you just get a new lease on life. You know, those people who have near-death experiences always find those stories incredible because they come back and they make amazing life changes because they realize that their time is limited, but it's so valuable and they can literally make it anything they want to make it <laughs> if they just believe they can. That's right. Pull out, pull out that mindset. That's right. Exactly. Exactly. So I want everybody to take a second and think about what Linda just said and think about what would you like the next 20 years, 30 years, 40 years of your life to be? Just hit a few high points for yourself. I mean, because you spurred on some thoughts in me too, Linda, um, about, you know, changes I need to make for myself as well. All right. So I want us, I want you to tell us about your new venture. Okay. And I know that you have your own podcast. Congratulations. And I've been on it. That's great fun. And it's, and it's just lovely. So tell us all about it and how people can listen to you. Well, I, I retired from my sales career. Um, we were forced to retire at 65 and I just kind of felt like I was getting started. <laughs> I was like, oh, you got 30 well, years I, more. Yeah. I yeah. More years. What, what am I going to do? And, um, and it hit right in the middle. I mean, I, I retired in January 2020, then COVID hit. So everybody's world was upside down. But during COVID, you know, I had an opportunity to kind of process through some things that I were, was doing. I identified, first of all, and, and maybe this was kind of a life lesson for women who are in their 50s and 60s and or 70s or retiring. I identified what I loved about my career. And what I didn't like about my career. Okay. Cause you know, nothing's perfect. And then I pulled out the parts of my career that I loved. I love the creativity. I love the teaching aspect of it. I love being able to think of an idea in the shower and by noon making it happen. Those were things <laughs> I love yeah. about owning my own business. Yeah. And so I thought I have a wealth of knowledge and I have a wealth of contacts. And that's why you were one of my first guests. You were, I think, guest number, you know, three or four, you were in one of the first few episodes, right? I have a world of contacts. And so I put together a podcast called common sense choices, because I, I tried to look in, at myself and that's hard to do sometimes of what's my gift. And my gift is what's the straightest point between point A and B is a straight line. I'm a very no nonsense, like a common sense kind of person. I don't need to overthink everything. I don't, I don't, I don't do that. I, I, I'm i very logical. And so anyway, so the podcast is really open ended. I'm making it up as I go along and um, it can be found on all the typical places, Apple, Spotify. I, my website is the best place for people to go. It's my name, Linda Tupin. That's T as in Tom, O-U-P as in Peter, I-N, lindatupin.com. 
And you can just sign up and I'll email them to you because I don't know if you're like me, but I don't like to remember stuff and I can't remember. <laughs> a lot of stuff. So I just need for you to tell me, I want you to send me what I'm supposed to do every Thursday at 7 PM, which is to watch my podcast. So I'll just email it to you. But the first month in December, we dealt with mental health. That's why Pat was my, my guest. Yeah. And we dealt with um, things that Pat and I are talking about today. And we also dealt with uh, uh, the fact that, you know, we've all come through COVID and it's played a mental number on a whole bunch of people. And so then we segued into physical health in January. And now in February and March, um, we are um, into a huge series called what does it really take to run a successful business from home? And so there's about six or eight big episodes there. And I have no idea where the next ones are going to go. I may go into uh, homeschooling. I may go into culture. I may go into politics. It doesn't matter. It's an open-ended type of podcast. We kind of talk about everything. And I would love it if, if everybody checked it out. Yes, I would love that too. Let me say that again. My friend Linda Tupin has a podcast called Common Sense Choices, and she will give you all the details about that if you go to Linda Tupin, T-O-U-P-I-N.com. And uh, like, like Linda said, I've been on it. I endorse it. It's great fun. You're a fun, you have a natural talent for interviewing people, which believe me, is not all that easy sometimes you don't have a really good time with people um so and you're a natural so i just much success on that much much success so uh okay um linda any last words here you know um i'd like to share a quick story if oh, i may good. i love stories when i was born in southeastern kentucky which is a very heavy welfare poverty part of the country. And so I appreciated everything as a, a child and a young adult. And so by the time my children were in high school, you know, I was making a great deal of money. And so they did not, not ever know that life. And so there was a point, Pat, where I didn't really appreciate their attitude. And I had to come to the realization that people don't know what they don't know. And so I shipped him off to Haiti that summer to work in the mission fields where people literally live in the dumps and it changed them. And so I tell you that story as listeners of Pat Pearson's podcast to tell you, I don't want to have to ship you guys off to Haiti for you to appreciate the woman you have an opportunity to listen to every single uh, week or month here. Guys, Pat Pearson is a <laughs> national treasure. She really, really oh is. Gosh. You may not appreciate that like the level I do, but she helped shape my career because I followed her advice. I needed the kind of advice that she was giving to my people because anybody can sell stuff, but not everybody can believe in themselves. And she is a master at that. Aww. So I don't want to ship you to Haiti, guys. Appreciate <laughs> what you got. <laughs> wow. What an endorsement. I'm going to put that on every poster I can think of. <laughs> you are such a sweetheart. Thank you, Miss Linda Tupin. And uh, we'll have you back at some other time and we'll talk about something else for good fun. All right. Thank you so much for listening to my podcast. I can't tell you how much I appreciate it. I really do. Um, I'm enjoying this. I'm enjoying meeting new people and interviewing people and getting different perspectives. But what I really miss is connecting with you directly. So I've been thinking about that. 
thought, how can I do that? How can I make that happen? Because if you've been listening, you probably have some questions about what self-sabotage is as it applies to you. So this connection is going to happen. This is how it's going to go. Um, I'm going to give an online Zoom seminar on Saturday, May 14th. That's Saturday, May 14th, 1 o'clock Eastern Time, 12 o'clock um, Central Time, 11 Mountain, and 10 Pacific. So whatever time zone you're in, those are the those are the times. It's for two hours, and we are going to deal with every question that you have. We're going to talk about in the seminar how you can get the answers to the self-sabotage uh, behaviors that may be bugging you such as, how come I don't have a relationship I want? Why aren't I making the money I truly would like to make? Or why am I not advancing in my career? And why isn't this weight falling off? All these different questions that have to do with your internal belief system, your level of self-esteem, your level of self-confidence, and permission from your past. Those go into making up what you believe you deserve. And if you don't believe you deserve it, you won't let yourself have it. You won't even go after it. Or if you achieve it, the health, the weight, the relationship, and you don't believe you deserve it, you will throw it away. We're going to look in this seminar, this two-hour seminar, that's going to have me presenting all these different answers taking questions from you directly and answering those, all those different things are going to be looked at. And the strategies that you get into, settling for less, denial, resignation, giving up before you start, all these different sabotage strategies that you may be living. We're going to turn it around and we're going to give you an answer, an answer that you will really enjoy and hopefully implement into your life. So you're thinking, okay, well, this sounds kind of good. You know, I'm going to get two hours of connection and, and um, talking. So it's going to be a lot of money. Nope. Uh-uh. Not going to do that. It is $49.95. That's it. And believe me, if you had two hours of therapy, it would be a whole lot more than that. So this one-time seminar on May 14th, it's $49.95. If you have any interest in knowing more, I want you to email me at pat, P-A-T, then the letter P, pat, P, at, then put at, pat, again, pearson.com. It's a tough one. People, it's hard for people to get this. Let me go over it again. Pat P, at, pat, Pearson. P-E-A-R-S-O-N, it's my last name, dot com. Pat P, patpearson.com, May 14th, two hours for the very, very minimal price of $49.95. Email me your interest and we will connect and we will tell you how to go, go forward. If you get a group of 10, we'll make it even less. So anything is possible. You deserve more in your life. And this is one of the answers and how to get it. 
Thanks for listening. You can find more episodes and all of our other Hot Pie Media originals baked fresh daily at our home online at hotpiemedia.com, the Hot Pie Media YouTube channel, or wherever you listen to podcasts.